We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fucking ball. That gets a free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast, brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. We are back into the sports movie game after a few months of Ted Lasso, exclusively Ted Lasso talk, and then one week of last week, Chris Long talking his five favorite movie hangs. Uh, Today, getting back into our traditional episode, how this podcast started, we're talking about a sports movie, and I'm joined by today by Bradford William Davis. He's a writer over at Insider. He's also a podcaster for Baseball Prospectus and a huge fan of the movie Creed, as am I. This movie, spoiler alert, this one's a Hall of Famer. It was an episode I was excited to record. Uh, Recorded actually a couple months ago. It's why I'm doing this this intro and post. Uh, We recorded this, I think, right after it started the Ted Lasso rewatch and just Kept pushing it off, kept pushing it off, and and now's the time. We finished up the Season 1 recap episodes of Ted. Now we're talking about Creed. It's an episode that I thought went really well. Just excited as hell to talk about this movie. It's a good one. Now, since recording, Bradford has written a few great feature pieces, both having to do with fencing. Uh, One is an incredible profile of fencer Curtis McDowell for GQ, and the other is a look into the sexual assault claims against a member of the U.S. Olympic fencing team and how the rest of the team is in uproar over that's been handled. That's over at Insider. That's two great pieces. Go check them out. They're going to be in the show notes. Now, Need to shout out some new patrons. A uh, shout out to Connell McNeilis, whose name I mispronounced in the last episode, so he gets double shout out. Kevin Frost and Danny Weiser also want to shout out our producer level patrons. That's Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Christine, and Kevin Frost. Becoming a patron of Big Screen Sports gets you access to episode notes, input uh, on content of future episodes. For instance, our patrons have decided that The Longest Yard, the Adam Sandler version, is going to be an episode in August. That's the patrons movie. We're doing that every single month. So join now. You can vote on the movie for September. Uh, you get to support the show, which is very much appreciated. That is a very, very appreciative of everyone who has taken that pledge and is, is helping me keep the show go. And most importantly, you get stickers. Uh, if you, you join now, you get big screen sports stickers. Those are the first round are getting mailed out this week. 
um, have a, they, they look good. They're the logo of the show. Uh, I posted them on social media, but yeah, if you are interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash big screen sports, and you will get my undying appreciation for helping support the show. Uh, lastly, just like last week, we were continuing the Ted Lasso season two rewatch doing Thursday minisodes. Alex McDaniel is back for those really excited to talk Ted Lasso season two. Um, just, you know, going to record uh, episode two tomorrow and just Ted Lasso's not missing a beat. Just the best show on TV. If you haven't watched it yet, go check it out. But uh, glad to be back today talking sports movies. Without further ado, let's talk to Bradford William Davis and let's talk Creed. All right, joining me today, he is a writer and podcaster, Bradford William Davis. Bradford, we've been circling this one for a while. Thank you so much for joining Big Screen Sports. Yes, it's been a while. It's been uh, it's been so long that the run sheet that you gave me. <laughs> has me has a wrong job for me because i no longer work at the new york daily news well tell the folks uh where you're working where they can find your content yeah so um i uh so i left i was a columnist at the daily news a sports columnist uh until about april early april or early mid-april of uh i guess this year so yeah it's not that far in the future <laughs> when you're likely hearing this but um or is it uh we'll see yeah, i i uh, i left to uh take a job as an investigative reporter for uh insider which uh formerly known as business insider so doing a lot of the uh enterprise reporting that i was doing in the news in my column job but also uh you know but kind of expanding my horizons into other subjects of the topics so um so yeah so excited about that but one thing that hasn't changed is that yes, is yes, I am still a podcaster. I still podcast with a uh, baseball perspectives, uh, the Five and Dive show uh, with Craig Goldstein and uh, Emma Bachelary. So, uh, so that's a lot of fun. And uh, we're actually we're recording this uh, fairly far in advance from when it's dropping. I'm not sure when it's dropping. And if you're one of those people who skipped through the lovely intro that I put my heart and soul into. Uh, I I told you folks what Bradford is up to lately. I told you about the latest episode of his podcast. So if you want to know, go back and re-listen to that intro because you skipped it, which is just completely disrespectful. But um, we're recording this. This is something that, like I said, we've been uh, we've been circling for a little bit uh, to talk about a movie that is, I think, fair to say, a movie that is one of both of our favorite sports movies. Uh, we were talking about Creed the 2015 film directed by Ryan Coogler, the former heavyweight champion Rocky Balboa, serves as trainer and mentor to Adonis Johnson, the son of his late friend and former rival Apollo Creed, starred Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, and Sylvester Stallone. 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, just a smash hit worldwide, revived the franchise. It also gave us one of the saddest Oscar moments, which is uh, Sylvester Stallone losing out on winning Best Supporting Actor to Mark Rylance. Sly won the Golden Globe. Mark Rylance won the Oscar. We all thought it was Sylvester Stallone getting this this Oscar for Rocky Balboa. I watched the clip earlier today. It's fresh in my mind. It's very sad. But uh, other than that, Bradford, is this a uh, is this a Hall of Fame All Star starter or bench warmer sports movie? You know, man, I'm gonna come out swinging, man. Hall of Fame. Come out swinging. I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, Hall of Fame. Yeah. It's I mean, um it's incredible. On one hand, I can't I can't objectively judge this movie because I just love it so much, but I'm a, but nonetheless, <laughs> Hall of Fame. It's a it's a fantastic sports movie. I mean, all the the Rocky movies. We did a uh a, a, a thing on this podcast last October called Rocktober. Kind of dove into the series. Ended up finished the month covering Rocky, 
and all the movies have this special place, uh, you know, except for Rocky V, which sucks. But but everyone's like, oh, you know, I love Rocky IV with Drago and Rocky III with Culver Lang, and the first one is the original, you know, the original underdog story. And they all have merit as decent, fun movies. The ones that get deeper into the 80s are a little more cartoonish in 80s. But this is just a legitimately awesome, excellent movie. It could be completely standalone. If they had morphed out all these characters originally in 2015 and figured out some plot like that, it could be standalone perfect. It does not need the Rocky franchise to stand on, but all that nostalgia helps too. It is a fucking barn burner. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, you know... Um, when I heard that Creed was coming out, I laughed because I'm like, no, 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 you can't do this. You can't just take an IP from, you know, 30 years ago and, you know, and then reboot it and it's going to be good. It's ridiculous. But here we are with like my favorite movie ever. <laughs> it's it's, ama- it's amazing that they did that because, I mean, how many reboots have we had to suffer through in the just the past decade? Uh, I mean, countless, right? I mean, like the, every single thing that has ever been sold is being sold again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, all the varying quality, you know? Um, they ruined Point Break. They ruined Point Break. It's it's just been all bad. So I hate to say this, I haven't seen Point Break. The the original? No, I haven't seen any of them. Oh, perfect. We're going to record that next week. You and me, you're going to watch Point Break. We're going to break that down. <laughs> Robbing banks and surfing sports movie. No, you know, I've wanted to see it for a while because I, I have a friend of mine who loves that movie, like loves it. Um, and there's actually, when I, where I used to, when I used to work at uh, HBO, uh, there was a Point Break themed bar like two blocks away from my, my office. That sounds like everything I've ever wanted in life. Yeah, I'll go to this Point Break theme bar and no, I have no context for anything happening. There. God, no! <laughs> if I'd have known about that, I would have made that my my first post vax destination. But like, really make it special. I'm going to the Point Break bar. Yes, but um, yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy that they were able to reboot this one so successfully. Because I mean, like I said, we've seen so many reboots crash and burn and this one could completely stand on you know stand on its own i want to ask you i am i am of the the take i guess in in today's take culture that creed is the best of the rocky movies does can any rocky movie in your mind compete with creed does any rocky movie have have a case to be the best of the rocky movies up there with creed i mean i think i enjoy creed the most i can't say for certain that it's the best because it is still retreating the ground of a you know a previous film very much so you know many story beats are the same and intentionally so paying homage right mm-hmm. but like you know um but nonetheless like rocky did you know rock the first rocky specifically did kind of like set the tone and set the course you know for creed um, I will say that Creed does do some things better than Rocky, um, but Rocky was the first. We, we we can get into that whenever you're ready, but we can get into like what I think Creed does better. But yeah, that's my take. Yeah, I, I the I think the it's more entertaining than than Rocky is uh, is the easiest take honestly because the Creed is paced a lot better. I, I'll jump into the IMDb trivia. One of the one of the things I noted, this one has a long list of trivia on IMDb. Some of it is much more interesting than others. But one of the things is the longest film 
in the Rocky movies, and that shocked me because some of those movies feel like they drag. Rocky at times feels like it drags a little bit. Like some of the others, Rocky Five, oh my God, does it feel like it drag? This one, this one moves. You, I would have, you could have told me this was the shortest of all those movies, and I would have absolutely believed it. Yeah, you know, um, the there, there is no wasted space whatsoever. And I was actually watching the deleted scenes. And all of the and, and you know though they were interesting, I was like, man, good cut. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't put this in, because even though it was cool, like it wasn't bad, you know. But it was like, but it wouldn't have added enough to make this worth it, you know. Like, um, but everything is, is it's as tight as the action in the ring, you know. Like like uh, the downtime, the story building, the character, you know, um, development, the meet cute between um, you know Michael B. Jordan's uh you know uh character in uh and just thompson donnie and uh i'm blanking on her name right bianca now. bianca there we, there we go you know um like all, all you know it's it's all you know all the screws are in perfectly tight you know there's nothing there's nothing loose there's nothing you know there's nothing meandering you know it's a ryan coogler master class yes it's perfectly done and so the the other question i ask you before we get really into it has anyone from this movie had a better de- last decade than ryan coogler because he did Fruitvale, then he does this, then he does Black Panther. Now he has a production company. He has the juice to make pretty much whatever he wants at this point. Um, Michael B. Jordan obviously does this. He's a probably, an, you'd say, an A-list star. He's going to direct the, the third movie to this. Tessa Thompson was in the Marvel movie. She was in Westworld. She's big. But can either of them compete with Ryan Coogler? That's, and that's saying a lot, too, because Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson are huge stars. They're both A-listers. Mm-hmm. They're, lead, they're leading, you know men and women um but uh but yeah i mean like ryan coogler has cemented himself not just as an a-lister but as like a legend yeah perfect or near perfect films and i think the juice of doing that i think that gets you so much farther in in your career like it it sets you up for so much longer and to have so much more opportunity to do what you want to do if you have these perfect things in your back pocket because like an actor can go ice cold also different that's what's really special about it it's not it's not like it's a ryan cougar movie it's like he's got there's three different ryan cougar films you know mm-hmm. um fruitvale station is like this kind of like artsy not i mean artsy is too you know i don't want i don't want to there's like a negative connotation to that but you know but but very much like a small budget film you know mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be like that because it's 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 bottled just with by following you know his retelling of the Oscar Grant story, you know, the man who was sadly killed by police in Oakland, you know, about a decade ago. Mm. Um, but, you know, but like it, 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 there is not a lot that happens in that film. It's, you know, it's, it, there is no CGI or anything like that, you know, and Michael B. Jordan was not an A-lister yet. You know, he was a known name, but not an A-lister, you know, you know, and so like to, to get that. And then Black Panther, of course, is, you know, is like here, hey, here's a billion dollars from the MCU. Like, you know, go, you know, um, go to Atlanta and make, you know, <laughs> on our soundstage and you know, and 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 make Wakanda for us. And he and he did, you know, in a way that felt far less green screeny than yeah. pretty much anything else that, that that Marvel has done. You know, um, while also you know, this, despite the Marvel trappings, um, offering a very incisive critique of the institutions that allow for Marvel Cinematic Universe to make movies in the first place. Um, not a perfect one, of course, because I mean, you know, um, for those who are familiar with Black Panther or not, maybe not familiar with Black Panther, like one of the hero heroes ends up being a, um, 
uh, of this movie that's, that does center, of course, you know, um, a, this fictional black, you know, our African country that is, you know, a, so, you know, it's certainly inspired by the cultures of real African nations, um, you know, and so it's centering them as, as, you know, as the heroes of a story for sure. But of course, a United States military pilot yeah. <laughs> um, ends up being, you know, a uh, very much very important to, uh, you know, to, to the big fight scene at the end of every Marvel movie, you know, and, and helping them, you know, save their country. Always um, a hint of imperialism. Never happened ever in the history of the world. <laughs> this is the first time. So I guess, it's you know, maybe it's like, wow, it's revolutionary, but. But also, like, you know, we know the Department of Defense, like, funds all these moral movies. Yeah. So, hey, but, you know, whatever. Well, listen, he was working within the system. and he You got to do what you got to do to make the movie um, sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then Creed is sort of like, you know, you know, in the middle of that, you know, this like, you know, sort of mid-budget, you know, again, what well, well-worn, you know, you know, name, but like, but, but um, well-worn story, I should say, you know, in that there were like six Rockies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shoot, we haven't even, you know, we have, we have, we have, I haven't even heard you crap on Rocky Balboa yet. <laughs> um, Rocky Balboa is better than it has any business being, I will say. That movie should have been worse than Rocky V, and it's better than Rocky V, and I don't know if that makes it a good movie, but it's better than it should have been. But they named the guy Mason Dixon, though. Mason the Line Dixon. Come on, Which man. is tough. Which is Come tough. <laughs> no, no mother would name their black child Mason Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know? that stuff that that's that like, is something like, you, you can't get over that's like frankly you know the spider-man and uh with the miles morales sort of retelling having his father jefferson davis oh my god is that his name in that that's, oh. his, full, that's his full name in the comics yes oh my god i love yeah, that the, movie. The, the, the uh the spider-verse movie you know the animated film that's, that's excellent you know yeah smartly just goes by jeff okay okay so that's that's why that didn't register for me because i'm a i think spider-verse is astounding because they never they never mentioned his whole name they never mentioned his name as jefferson because they would have immediately pulled you out as in the, like whose mom would have done this you know you're <laughs> on the right e. podcast robert that's e. Lee stuff. morales what <laughs> like just, just, just go all in right <laughs> that's the stuff we, wall morales that's the stuff we love to nitpick that's yeah you're on the right podcast um, for that and uh, I'm, I'm missing up civil war 19th century stuff they're oh, sorry they're all racist anyway <laughs> um so yeah you know like so yeah so the, you know um that's my you know that when i when i saw when i saw his name was mason dixon i i want i'm never never gonna finish this movie <laughs> i remember reading about it and so um so yeah that so is tough rocky. i will say rocky balboa is not a movie i'm ever gonna revisit but creed is something i will always revisit because i mean like you said, it's a master class by Kugler, and like now he's got the juice to do whatever he wants for a very, very long time. Whereas, like, it, it seems implausible that Michael B. Jordan would be knocked off this A list pedestal, but like, it happens. Like, remember when Chris Pine was in Star Trek and was like considered a top, one of the top Chris's? And now he's just like, he's okay. He's just he's, a Chris. He's just a Chris. Yeah. He's not the Chris. Yeah, which, is, which is a good place to be, you know. I would take being a Chris. Mm hmm. He's not, he's not B Chris though. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you never know, but, um, but no, a Kugler, yeah, what Kugler has done is, is, is phenomenal. I can't wait for his next film, whenever that is. I mean, well, I mean, he, he's doing Black Panther uh, too right now, right? He's doing mm -hmm. the Wakanda. Yeah. He's got that movie with a uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates writing it. Mm -hmm. uh, was it a uh, wrong answer? Right. Mm -hmm. So he, yeah, I mean, he's got 
That's the cool thing, too, about when you get to that point as a director and being able to do whatever you want is he's going to be able to take passion projects and, and get real funding and energy behind them, which is a special which is a special thing, because like he can take the passion that he has for a story like the Oscar Grant story in Fruitvale, but but really get to put put something behind that and and get funding and energy behind that i think that'll be a big thing it'll be really interesting to see what his next 10 years look like right right yeah i, I mean I, I see i see spielberg kind of honestly is kind of like the cougar route because we'd love to see it because of his versatility you know mm-hmm. yeah he can do anything it's true the spiel of spielberg when he you know when he first came out and and, and all different kinds of stuff he, you know he had his head and, and so uh yeah uh that's a that's, i think that's a yeah i i'm i'm that's a great question, but like Ryan Coogler really is that dude right now. Um, he and, is. and then it's something he's produced. I mean, he just produced uh, Jews and the Black Messiah, which was, you know, which is pretty good. It's awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, so like, you know, he, he he's picking good projects. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's for sure. And, you know, he's producing the new Space Jam. So great taste. That's right. We- oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's 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 uh, he's Stefan. He's got it rolling. Uh, let's. I want to get into a couple of the other bits of IMDb trivia, just stuff that I found interesting. Uh, Sylvester Stallone was 69 when this film was released, which one, nice. <laughs> and two, uh, he's the same age as Burgess Meredith, who played Mickey when Rocky was released. Look at the difference of how Sylvester Stallone, the kind of shape he's in, the kind of shape that Burgess Meredith is in. We have come a long way in botox and hgh since burgess meredith was alive in in 1976 what's up big screen sports listeners i am here today to talk to you about tipping pitches what is tipping pitches tipping pitches is alex basley and bobby wagner you might recognize those names from our episode covering moneyball they joined the podcast one of my favorite episodes from back in march i've been on their show a few times they've been on big screen sports a couple times and tipping pitches is one of my favorite baseball podcasts in the game i listen to it every single monday that is no bullshit tipping pitches is the baseball podcast that thinks baseball should be fun but isn't afraid to talk about the things that actually prevent that Ever wonder why local blackouts are stopping you from watching your favorite team? Do you want to understand how baseball is the only sport with an antitrust exemption? Or what it would be like if your team's fan base bought the team? Tipping Pitches is the podcast for you. I'm a huge fan of Bobby and Alex. If you listen to our Moneyball episode, you probably are too. Go check out Tipping Pitches. Releases every Monday. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Those guys also have the best shirts in the game. They're selling the Unionize the Miner shirts. You're supporting a great message and wearing a cool shirt. They just dropped some that are in uh, my beloved Minnesota Twins colors. I, I grabbed both versions. Uh, go check out Tipping Pitches for fans that love the game but aren't content seeing it get corporatized. All right, um, something else that is in the IMDb trivia and something that I love when when movies do is casting real athletes, which, um, and especially in bo- boxing movies, seem to do a very good job of this. If, if like, it's not someone who has to actually uh, like carry the movie, they, uh, they will usually just get a real boxer. But this one, pretty Ricky Conlon, is played by a real-life Liverpool boxer, Tony the Bomber Bellew, a name I'm sure I'm pronouncing wrong. Uh, Danny Stuntman Wheeler is played by Andre Ward. He was an actual won an actual gold medal in the 2004 Summer Games. And Leo is played by Gabe Rosado, a guy who was actually from Philly, part of Philly's large Puerto Rican community. I love that they just went out and got three real boxers. I think that comes through on the film. Yeah, yeah, Andre Ward was is was incredible. He was a, he was a great boxer. Like he was, uh, he ended his career undefeated, um, and and he's still a com- he's still a pretty frequent commentator, if I'm not mistaken. I know he did a lot of stuff for HBO um, when HBO had boxing, but yeah, no, yeah, that, that was uh, 
you know, it, it definitely it definitely added something to uh, to to cast these like you know real deal fighters. You know, um, a level of authenticity. Like like you know like remember that scene where they do the uh, the uh, HBO um, preview video, yeah. right? Uh, I, I forget what, I forget what they call that, but like you know, but uh, uh, Leave Schreiber, right? <laughs> uh, the, having the Leave Schreiber voice on there is perfect. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right, uh, but you know, whatever, whatever series I used to do, I, which I should know because I used to work for HBO and, and do like promote boxing. <laughs> should <laughs> be your but, thing, uh, right? But anyway, but the point is that video, um, you know, like having like seeing like uh, they've done videos like that with Andre Ward, <laughs> so like uh, so to have him in it, you know, just kind of like it, it immerses you into the world, uh, not unlike ours that Creed is trying to promote. Yeah, I always think that the just having someone who is actually in the world or actually in the sport, like that stuff comes through. It's the same way, same way, like in a baseball movie, you can tell when someone's played baseball, like they just carry themselves a certain right. way. Um, and, then, and, and then having uh, Max Kellerman and Jim Lampley too do the, uh, do the, uh, the voice, um, do the, do the commentary and play by play uh, yeah. during, during the fight as well. So similarly, like, you know, like, like actual boxing commentators, you know, not yeah, just absolutely. Uh, someone they hired. That stuff definitely comes through. Um, another thing in this this one, this little bit of trivia blew my mind because I, I'm going to talk about it in a bit. But the um, the the first boxing match that, or the 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 fight against Leo, the two round one that is it it appears to be in a single shot. And when I saw that, I always assumed like he did some some sort of like quick like quick cut tricks that are just you know. But it it I was like that's crazy that he made it look like it was a single shot. It was a single shot. Uh, <laughs> it, it was shot. It was shot in third. They did thirteen takes. Uh, Kugler took the eleventh take in the final film, but they they shot that entire fight in in one take. And it is, I mean, I I still remember the first time I saw that fight on, and it just just blew my mind. And it is an awesome effect, and it is the just the coolest. Uh, so I had to include that bit of trivia. I, I was floored that that was that was actually one take. It is a masterpiece. That scene. That, um, I mean, I was. I remember sitting in a theater watching this film. For those who don't know, I have seen Creed six times in the theater. <laughs> I was unemployed. I was freelancing rather. <laughs> another, word, another another word for writers to say they're unemployed. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, I was, uh, so, so I was freelancing, so I had, a, I had a wide open schedule, and I'm like, man, I'm just gonna go to Matt Nancy Creed, just gonna give it a shot, and I'm like, this is the best movie I ever saw, I'm gonna go in a few days and <laughs> watch it again, and then, you know, you know, four more times, and there you go, six times in the theater, and so, and then probably about six times, you know, at home since then, because I, you know, you, you know I bought that, uh, that Blu-ray DVD, uh, you know, combo pack. <laughs> oh, you had dropped. to, you had uh, to. But yeah, so that that scene, right? Um, if you're in a theater, and I really hope, man, that that you get to watch this film in a theater one day, you know, or or at least someone's like really good sound surround surround sound system, you know, you just go to your homie who has like his little home theater set up. Um, but uh, you, the way the audio comes through, um, is like a Doppler effect. Where like you know where, where the relevant audio is louder and directional depending on where uh, Michael B. Jordan, Donnie, Donnie Creed, you know Donnie Johnson, where he's fighting. So wherever he's in the ring, that's the sound that you hear. So if he's closer in proximity to uh, 
you know, to Rocky, like you hear Rocky louder. If he's farther away, you don't hear Rocky. You might hear his, uh, you know, might hear the trainer, you know, for the other, for the for the other corner. Um, that you know, and so and so um so on your you know, and then on your on your on your right, you might hear you know Rocky, and on your left, you might hear the other guy. Like it, it is, it is so immersive to actually be able to be, you know, in the theater listening to you know with surround sound and directional audio, and it's just like I I mean just like the design behind it, like his mind is is unbelievable, Cooler, you know, to have uh, come up with that. I I, I want to I need to actually like watch. Or like hear him comment on the sound part, you know, because like, because <laughs> that's something else. If I ever win the Mega Millions, one of the things I'm gonna do when um, when blowing that money and eventually becoming very unhappy is uh, I'm gonna buy like an old theater and kind of revamp it. And just each day, it's gonna show movies I like and movies that are incredible movie theater experiences. And like, this is absolutely one of those that, that has to be on there. Like there are movies, like every movie is better in a theater, but this is a movie that is absolutely like a theater experience. Like I think, I think about like Inception in the same way, like that movie is, is just better in a theater and with the, the sound and stuff like that, especially with what you're describing, how, you know, the sound works in that scene and then how, you know, the sound in another scene that we're going to talk about, uh, just hearing that in a theater is just a, a different animal. But with that, let's go into the best scene. I'm going to go through these chronologically. So if I missed any of your favorites, which I doubt because I, I listen a lot <laughs> scenes in here um but i want to off the off the bat in every rocky movie in every boxing movie in every fighting movie almost in every sports movie there's a montage and this one we get three training montages so we just have we need to pick which one's the best you get the first one is uh the training montage it's set to a nas song after rocky starts training him like when he first gets in the when rocky first shows up in the gym and starts training him then there's the training montage after he goes to Front Street. When the music hits a different tone, the movie starts moving a little bit more. And then there's the training montage combined with the chemo montage. And then the movie's like climb, Rocky's climb the stairs moment, except it's uh, a bunch of ATVs and dirt bikes doing wheelies with oh. the Meek Mill song playing. So, you... <laughs> so I think oh that's your pick then, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, I... Uh... I think that it is. I think that's probably the second best montage, like montage in the Rocky series, in my opinion. Um, the first, the the first best, the best <laughs> is probably the second movie where all the kids run with them. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, but that's just a hair worse. Like you know, and it's not even worse. It's just different. You know, like. <laughs> um, but but yeah, no, like. like between yeah, of course, between between Rocky being sick, you know, and and then fighting through it, um, there are times where like there's a scene, you know, when he's in that that Front Street gym, and the light, the way the light shining on his body, is just like it makes him look like he's like ascending, <laughs> you know, he's leveling up, you know, like like if, like if you watch Dragon Ball Z, like you know, like how they glow and turn Super Saiyan, you know, when they when they when they power up and turn Super Saiyan and all that, that's how he looks because the way the light shining on him through the window during that training montage. Like there, there's like little things that I was noticing last night as I'm, as I'm watching this, watching this film. It, it is a, uh, astounding, astounding scene. And of course he has, you know, having all those, having all those Philly kids with their little ATVs and dirt bikes, like a chariots, you know, <laughs> so, you know, uh, leading their, leading the new King, you know, <laughs> um, to, to like, 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 it, uh, it was, uh, or following their new King. Um, 
it was uh, it was beautiful. It's also kind of a culmination of what Coogler is trying to do with this movie in that like Rocky was a very Rocky was like a Philadelphia movie. It's like why they have a statue of a fake boxer in their city instead of Joe Lewis, which is a whole nother thing. But uh, but it, it's a different like it's a di- he's showing it different with this. He's showing like a, a different side of Philadelphia, like Coogler showing what, how he sees Philadelphia. And that's kind of a culmination of like, hey, there's more than just like the working class Italian philadelphia culture and that's a it's a really cool moment it's a really cool parallel to to rocky and it's you're right it's more like the one in rocky 2 when people know about him and they're actually like running with him because in rocky 1 he's just solo running up those stairs he's still kind of a a bum that no one really cares about Mm -hmm. yeah it it gives it it really gives a i think i'm you know a a, an homage to the second film you know and and where they have the, the white kids though in that one right Mm-hmm. And this, but this, but this one having you know having kids from North Philly, you know, and North Philly is very specific, you know. It, it's a, uh, you know, um, like many many Mer- American cities, you know, very segregated, right? So like you know, <laughs> so the so 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 it show it shows an embrace of a different community that uh, the Rocky films, you know, largely neglected when telling the story of Philly, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I, and, that's, I, and I would say that's actually maybe the, you know the one of the strongest things about Creed, remember we talked earlier about how, like, you know, I think it does some things specifically better than Rocky. It's, uh, it's that it, um, imagine, it has an imagination for the, for, you know, for the, well, not black folks, it's not, it's not really plural, right, but the black man, the one black guy in, in the Rocky films, Apollo Creed, um, have, you know, being more than just a, uh, a tool for which for 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 Rocky's hero story, but someone with like a you know a life in it you know imagine a life in eternality you know a, a legacy of his own you know that just mm-hmm. that, that 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 was real and, and was like hinted at but but only as something to be overcome you know rather than something beautiful and profound and 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 worth you know like dwelling in on its own like Creed comes from that position you know that like mm-hmm. yeah. Apollo Creed was that dude. He was like the Muhammad, you know, he, he's, you know, he, I mean, clearly he's the Muhammad Ali, you know, sort of, um, cypher, right. Uh, for, uh, you know, for, for the original Rocky films, but like, but like, uh, but, but Rocky doesn't understand Muhammad Ali like Creed does and, uh, or, or, and Coogler, you know, for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what makes it that, that I, I think that's a incredibly important, you know, um, addition and alteration, uh, to this film. You know, it's 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 one of those again those rare examples of like mining the old IP and finding the thing that wasn't explored, and then you know, and and bringing it to the surface and making something better. And there's that cool PTI clip they use, like Kornheiser and Wilbon talking about the the life and legacy of Apollo Creed. That's really cool and kind of gives you this gives you this backstory you don't get in the films. Uh, you don't get in the previous Rocky films of really what because in. You know, in um, in, in Rocky One, obviously he's formidable. He's a stand-in for Muhammad Ali, but with the the credence that the the PTI clip get, gives you of it, it's just like a one-minute thing, but it gives you this whole sense of the grand specter of this character of of mm-hmm. Apollo Creed and his actual standing in the world. And it's like, okay, yeah, we have this whole legacy to flesh out here and and work with and this is what this you know this is what donnie has to live up to and it's it's just really well done exactly like you said and and going to get this part of the the series that we have not explored and really fleshing that out um so let's go into the the chronological scenes 
I love the scene when Adonis learns about his parentage when he's at the he's at juvie and he's in that fight mm. and and uh, Marianne shows up and I lo- I just I love the most that it stops on what was his name that like that gives yeah. me the chills a little bit mm-hmm. exactly because it shows his name mattered in a way that like you know rather than being an afterthought or or a stepping stool for someone else's name it's his name that mattered you know. I mean, obviously, a title itself shows that. You know, in fact, it's called a creed, right? But, but you know, but but uh, but that question he asks, you know, and especially for a boy looking, you know, wondering, you know, angry in part because he has no dad, you know, mm-hmm. to to be introduced in that way. Angry in part stuff. because he has no parents at that point. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. To his knowledge, no parents. I mean, well, you know, his, his biological mother passed away at that point, mm-hmm. right? I mean, um, which is why he's um, jumping between foster and juvie, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one I've got is when when Donnie meets Rocky, uh, because and the thing I like about when Donnie goes to meet Rocky when he walks through the restaurant, Rocky's just kind of like this quaint old man rocking through his res- walking through his restaurant. In 1978, if you say like if you look at Rocky, like especially before the fight, and you're like, hey, what's this guy gonna look like in 40 years? Probably best case scenario, what he looks like at that point. <laughs> right, exactly. It's it's you know. Um... Like, like, I forget we were talking about this earlier, but like, you know, like, like those pic, old, those pictures of like old people, um, that like look like they're dead, basically, even though they're like 33, <laughs> you know, that go viral on like social media once in a while. I'm like, man, you know, they don't, <laughs> we age a lot different <laughs> now than, they, than our parents did or our grandparents did. Um, that's kind of what's happened to Rocky, you know, is, is, uh, all that, all the steroids and all the Botox, all the, uh, you know, all the facial scrubs. And the personal trainers and all that has allowed him to uh, look not so bad for, you know, a very old man. Very much so. And then you just love seeing him in. It's a moment you've been waiting for since the movie started, really, is when when Donnie and Rocky meet and when he when he figures that out. Um, So it's it's a satisfying uh, it's a satisfying scene. Uh, the next one I've got is when Rocky goes to see Adrian and Polly at the cemetery, which is just fucking sad. Uh, okay. Here we go, Polly. Happy birthday, my friend. I didn't forget you. Your favorite. Miss you, pal. Go, Adrian. My darling. That's the best. Okay, Adrian. God. It's getting harder to walk up this hill. What does that mean? Just so much of like, God damn, getting old sucks. Uh, probably the number one getting old sucks moment in in the movie. But then he transitions that and like he t- he talks to them and their gravestones, and then he goes to see Donnie at the gym, and, and it goes into that training montage. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think what um I I think this it, it's I found it bitter. I found that scene bittersweet because it was like sad, but also like I love those characters too. So it was nice to see that he like you know. Um, going to read see, the paper yeah, to Adrian see, see, and stuff. You know, yeah, it was very, very heartwarming to me, affecting. You know, like, like he, like he really loved his friends, his friend and his wife. You know, and um, and you, you know, and that he had them buried together. <laughs> that you know, like it shows how close Paulie was, right? <laughs> and that like his buddy, and that like you know, Paulie, right, is like is right next to 
you know, my wife of 50 years, <laughs> or however, you know, however long it was at that point. Which, um, I'll tell you Rocky what, Rocky. when you rewatch Rocky, if, if Rocky is the only, if you go from, if you watch Rocky and then you watch Creed, like you skip everything in between, you're like, man, he, he really wanted Rocky that, or Polly that close to Adrian, because Polly and Rocky is just scumbag of the century. <laughs> Yeah, he's you know he's definitely like he's a low life just like like Rocky was right. He's an ankle breaker for the mob. That's a, that was that's the story right. Like you know he's you know he's a uh, he's picking up odd jobs and you know we're for uh, unsavory folks, but he loves to fight when he can, <laughs> and uh, and he gets a shot. Very abusive older brother as well. Uh, just a just a gross human at that time. Uh, <laughs> next scene is is Donnie versus Leo, which I already. We already touched on the best boxing scene I've ever seen in a movie. That's pretty much all I have to say about it. Yes, I mean, again, we've we've gone. I, I've I've already spilled my guts out about how beautiful the sound is in that. Uh, but yes, like you know, uh, I I don't know how they. I don't know how they. I don't know how they, you know. I, I just talked the sound, but I don't know how they pulled off that one track and this. You know, like you know, and and just you just making it. Uh, I know. I, I I'm not. I'm not sure if they're real punches, but in fact, I don't think they are. And yet, nonetheless, <laughs> it feels, you know, um, you know, it, it's, it feels like you're getting hit every time. <laughs> it's incredible. That, that scene, like, because I, pulling back the curtain, I didn't see Creed in theaters. Because 2015 was back when I was single dadding. I had zero time on my hands. And I, I really missed out on this one. Probably the biggest thing I missed out was going to see Creed in the theaters. But I remember the first time I saw this movie I was watching it in my living room. And I was like floored sitting on my couch. Like I just remember it like it like stunned me sitting there. I was frozen. It was it was just incredible. It, it's something rare. Like watching a movie in your house, it is rare to be blown away by something like that. Like visually blown away because it doesn't have all the effects that you were talking about in the theater of the surround sound and, and the big screen and stuff like that. And the, the fact that it did that to me just watching it on my couch, it just shows how powerful that, that boxing scene was. It, it's, it's stunning. Um, the next scene I've got is Donnie finding out that Rocky has cancer, which this should have won Stallone the Oscar. Bridge of Spies is a fine film. Probably <laughs> like never watch it again. Like, it's, it's, it's fine. Speak, speaking of Spielberg, sorry, right? Yeah. yeah. Move over, Steven. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, Mark Rylance, fine actor. Really like Mark Rylance. Just solid. But this scene should have won Stallone the Oscar. Like it is, it's when they're having that kind of confrontation in the locker room. And then he says the thing to, he says the thing to Adonis about, and this is, this movie is fresher in your mind, but he says the thing to Adonis about, you know, this is just like a training thing or whatever. And then when he leaves and he's doing that, you know, he's talking to himself, like, why'd you say that and stuff? Like Stallone just breaking my heart out here. You got your whole future ahead of you, mine. Back there, like all them guys on that wall, in the back, in the past, we're going nowhere. I am to you, just an old trainer. That's what brought us together, you know? We're not a real family. That was just in our heads, kid. What'd 
And and you know and really and I think to add to that like like the whole Rocky Cancer arc I think really like you know uh, shows Stallone's acting talents the way he plays hearing the diagnosis. Do you remember that? Yes. Like the doctor delivers it and he just kind of like goes quiet, you know, and he takes his hat off and 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 as he starts to run through treatment options, that's when it gets like sit to me like the fam- whole family thing gets particularly sad, you know. Like, of course, it makes sense, you know, that Adrian might be dead because, you know, they're old, right? But, like, but, uh, but that, uh, but how she died and when he's, and, and like, you, and when you hear, the, and when he hears that he has cancer, he's, like, you could see him in just a few seconds reliving everything that she must have gone through, you know? She's like, oh, you know, with, the, with chemo and radiation and all this, and he's like, and, and, and you see him, like, holding back tears, like, no, it's all right. She, she went through that, you know? <laughs> um... I, I, you know, I, I saw, I saw, you know, we, we did all that treatment. It didn't work out, you know, like that's, uh, oh gosh, well, stab me. <laughs> I can't believe they didn't give him the Oscar. Honestly, just like thinking about that. I can't believe they didn't give it to him. And so just on that. So he, he talks about how terrible it was for Adrian and stuff like that. If, if a, both Adrian and Polly would have gotten cancer and died, he would have mentioned it was bad for Polly too, but he didn't. So Polly did not get cancer. What do you think took Polly out? Just if we're. If we're making guesses. Well, let's see. Based on the last thing that... The only thing that's in his room is like an old uh, porno. Maybe he's jerking <laughs> off too much. I don't know. <laughs> jerking off too much. Heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a tough one. Polly was, Polly was thrown on those Girls Gone Wild infomercials and one just got him too much. Yeah. Uh, the next scene I've got is the fight. And when I say the, the final fight, I say... Uh, that is basically the walk-in, the intro to the end of of round eleven. Because like I love the the walk-in scene, like the tracking shot to Hail Mary, like it's it's awesome. Rocky saying, you know, I'd always get nervous, but it's going to give you energy. It's very like real. He seems like a very realistic boxing, you know, boxing trainer, or boxing, you know, the the stuff. It, it seems very authentic. Um, it's a good fight. It's a fun fight to watch, but they don't overdo it like they do in the other Rocky. Movies. That's where I think this movie really benefits. Is the fights are obviously intense. Like if it was a you know a fight where no one's going to the mat and no one's you know a little bloody, it wouldn't make for a very good movie fight. But yeah. great boxing movie fights can't overdo it because if you have too many of the will he or won't he fall or get knocked out or knock it up, you know it kind of like kind of kills the effect. If a dude gets knocked down like eight times and gets up, it's kind of like, yeah, this is this is ridiculous. We know this is coming down to, to one certain thing. So you get the one knockdown where he's, you know, he falls unconscious for, you know, a couple seconds, which like that, that can't be good for you. But, uh, you know, and gets up. But I think the fight itself is very, very effective. One of the best, you know, it it's not as good as the one from, you know, the one from earlier in the movie, but compared to every other boxing fight and every other movie ever, it's top tier. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, for the purpose of the purpose of what the film needs in there, it's, it's just as good, you know? Like, because it's, 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 uh, it's very, you know, it's, like, like you said, it's cinematic without, like, overdoing it, you know? Like, it's still a movie, but, um, and it's not, so it's not realistic if you, like, watch boxing, you know? But, like, mm-hmm. it's, but, um... But it's it's capturing not you know what what the Rocky films lost was like you know was that like every is was that uh all of the action just comes from like you know throw you know just trading haymakers over and over again you know while really boxing is a it's about like attrition you know it's a it's like you know 
it's being worn down and, 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 and the mental game of like keeping yourself in, you know, in the fight. And that's what that fight really captures, you know, is like is like you have to stay in there mentally in order to, to in order in order to have any chance of succeeding in the ring, you know? It's not about, you know, again, nailing the strongest punch every single time, which is what, like, Rocky Four is, basically, you know? It's just someone, like, slamming yeah, each other, the, you know? The, <laughs> you know, Rocky The Drago-Rocky Drago yeah. fight is is 80s excess to, yeah. to the max. It's, it, it's, it's Bugs Bunny at that point, you know, like, little yeah. slapsticks, you know? So, that they don't, you know, um, they, the Creed, Creed uh, aims for something higher and something a lot better, in my opinion, than that, so... Um, and, then, and then also, the the big thing that, again, I think puts it... Uh, on par, though of course not the technical marvel, right? That that this you know, because uh, you know that that scene, you know, that that his first real fight um, is revolutionary as far as again the cinematics and, and you know the choreography, the um, you know the sound as I mentioned, but um, it's uh, but the music is so effective in uh, in that final fight. It's so effective, you know, like um, the way it, it, it weaves in. You know, um, the new theme that uh, I want—I want to say—is uh, Nicholas Patel. Was that was he? Was he the one who did did uh, Creed? Could be mistaken about that. Um, we get, while you're talking, I can do some double check yeah. on that. Um, yeah. Oh no, Ludwig Göransson. That's that's a guy, right? So Ludwig Göransson did did the uh, did did this, you know um, did the score for uh, composed the score for for the you know for the first Creed film and. Um, so like so between weaving in a new theme, which is great, but then like you know, but both subtle and and it, well not subtle, but but really excellent and well well timed callbacks to the old, <laughs> to the old you know equally great <laughs> score you know, um that uh, I think that really elevates it and uh, and makes it just kind of like a you know uh, a good experience you know um and 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 a great testament to to uh, I guess the, the legacy of the old films you know. While, while, while making it something of its own. Well, speaking of the legacy of the old films and music of the old films, the last scene I've got and the scene that, spoiler alert, is my favorite. It might not be the best scene in the movie. I still think that's the fight, but it's the the best moment of the movie for me. It is my favorite scene. It is the scene that I probably watch on YouTube once every couple weeks. It is Rocky's pep talk to Adonis before the before the 12th round. The you know If I'm going to fight this, you're going to fight... And then the Euro Creed and the Rocky theme. It's it's fucking astounding. Astounding <laughs> moment. Gets up the Rocky theme. Like and I'm not joking. I watch this on YouTube all the time. I'm stopping this one now. Don't okay, let me finish. I gotta prove it. Prove what? I'm not a mistake. Really, I never got a chance to thank Apollo for helping me out after Mickey died. But it's nothing compared to what you've done. You taught me how to fight again. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to fight this thing. But if I fight, I want you to fight too. I want you to go across this ring and knock that son of a bitch down. Can you do it? Say it. I'm going to knock that son of a bitch down. I know you are. You know why? Because you're a creed. And I love you, kid. Go get him, son. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. That, that, that's that's exactly what I, what what, I, what, I, what I'm thinking when I was talking when I'm talking about like you know the way they they stitch together the old and the new right there, you know. <laughs> um, but yes, that's like the perfect like final like sort of like you know bullet in the chamber to throw <laughs> to, to shoot, you know, like of uh, of that of that old original great theme. Um, 
going in the moment, you know, the, uh, the, mo- the moment, like, the father-son relationship is, like, fully sort of, like, solidified there, you know? Um, but also, like, but, with, but of course, with the encouragement that um, he can be his own person. He's not, you know, you don't have to live up to me. You don't have to live up to, to your dad. You just got to be you, you know? <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I got your back. Like, I mean, that's just, you know, ugh. <laughs> I can, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I can understand exactly why I would, uh, why you might need to, uh, to revisit every once in a while. Is there, is there a specific, like, sort of, uh, time in your life where, where, or, or, like, situation where you need to, like, go on YouTube and watch that video? Like, what, what, what makes you, what, 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 what's, 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 like, a, a situation where you're like, okay, I gotta play that scene? So, so maybe it's a, it's kind of a couple things. So sometimes, um, sometimes I need like maybe like an emotional cry or I need to be like motivated. So, (laughs) so that one's also like, it's really motivational. Like if like, you know, maybe I'm having a bad day at work and I just need like to get amped before a sales call or something like super lame. Like I'm going to throw on that. Like maybe I just feel like being emotional and getting teary eyed. I'm going to throw on that. Uh, you know, I, I, it's just, it's awesome. As far as like big chill sports movie moments go, it is, I mean, you know, might as well do the big chill category, which I do at the end, you know, here, but it's, I mean, it is, it's Mount Rushmore of big chill moments for me in sports movies. It is just, it, it's incredible. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I mean, if we're going with the big chill, I mean, like, it, I think it really is a split between that and training montage, you know, when you see, when you see, <laughs> when you see the, uh, when you again between see, seeing those kids on their, on their bikes and then hearing the you know the rock the, the the familiar and beloved Rocky horns kick in to give them that final burst of energy to 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 spiritually win the fight, which again is a great testimony to the original Rocky film because you know because he didn't win but he you know but he was the winner you know <laughs> and, it's amazing uh, yeah so I, I no I, I you really can't go wrong with any of those two did I miss any of your favorite scenes um yes. And that is one, that is when um, that is when Donnie is uh, is untying uh, Bianca's dreads as they're sitting together, and he's debating whether or not he's going to take the fight. And I think it was a that's like the, when you talk about stuff that like only Ryan Coogler would have thought of to include, like it's something like that, you know, which is like I think a, a very um, specific sort of imagery to black people of like you know of the importance of hair you know and then the routine the ritualness and, and like the intimacy if you know you to let someone else touch your hair and, and and help you maintain it you know like um that was uh i think that is a scene that like particularly like sticks out to me you know like they're uh you know and and and, sh- and shows that like they're they're really in it together you know it's not just a fling you know but uh, but it's a, it's a, a close and special relationship that's going places. It is also a scene that sets it well apart from the original Rocky, because like I don't know when the last time you've actually watched Rocky is, but Rocky and Adrian's relationship for a bulk of that movie is painfully awkward and painfully weird, and you you legitimately wonder if Adrian has something actually like wrong with her. <laughs> it is it is very uncomfortable, honestly, and and watching with the twenty twenty one lens, the relationship between Rocky, it doesn't and work. Adrian, no, it, it straight up does not work. I was thinking that when we talk about like things that create dead better, you know, it's by like, you know, um, giving Bianca worth as you know that is distinct from her relationship to Donnie, which is 
the opposite of what, <laughs> like, the opposite of what the original Rocky film, you know, does. Like, you know, Adrian exists, you know, for Rocky, and Adrian only exists because of Rocky, you know? Otherwise, he's just the, uh, the, the, uh, sheepish girl at the pet store. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and <laughs> that it's, talks to it's canaries more weird. than to, like, to, like, humans. It's real, real weird. Uh, Bradford, let's take a quick ad break and then get back with best quote. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so we're back. Uh, best quote, I mean, in Rocky movies, they're you know, known for like their, you know, sometimes corny kind of quotes especially you know in the 80s ones like that but i i thought the the screenplay and the dialogue in this one was a lot more you know just a lot more grounded a lot more stuff that real people would actually say did you have a a favorite quote in this one i think it's i mean i think i think it's when i think it's i think it's that scene we 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 discussed a little bit you know of, of uh Rocky confronting, you know, um, well, I, we actually, we didn't really discuss this one, though it's a great scene, too, I mean, but, like, it's Rocky confronting Adonis in jail after he got into that fight, right? That's and a real, I had some notes on that, and I just didn't bring it up when you were doing best yeah. scene. It's a yeah. real, like, kind of like a, it's not your fault scene, like the thing from, uh, Yes, yes, from exactly. It's, it's absolutely Good, good Will, Will hunting, hunting, right? Yeah, they're Good Will Hunting. But, like, we're, um, we're Rocky... Like, you know, again, clearly, like, like or Sylvester Stallone, you know, very subtly showing that, like, you know, his, that he's, like, holding back the, you know, the, the fullness of his emotion, you know? Uh, he's just in the effect of, like, like, all those guys in the wall in the past, that's where I am, you know? Like, um, uh, because he's, he's encouraging, you know, uh... Or was that that scene? Was that the jail scene? That was so he doesn't say that in the jail. He says that. Oh, no, no he, says, the, he says in the locker room. You're right. Yeah, you're right. he says oh, in the locker room. But then he goes mm-hmm. to see him in the jail to apologize yeah. for what he said in the locker mm-hmm. room. Right. Right. Um, so right. Yeah. No. That's. I'm sorry. That that is. You know. That is the. Uh, I guess. I guess that scene. I guess that those two scenes kind of like meld together because they're because they're both. I guess treading the same ground for me. But like. But no. Yeah. You know. What, what, but where where he's where he's you know, essentially confronting his own mortality, you know, like, you know, uh, to, to agree without, like, without, uh, revealing, again, the fullness of his emotion here, you know, like, wait, wait, and he's like, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm just one of those old guys on the wall in the past, you know, and you don't have to be that, you can, you can keep going forward, like, that is just, uh, it's heart-wrenching. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the movie is obviously a huge metaphor on, or, you know, a huge look at father-son relationships and, and um, you know, also there's just a commentary on life at the end of your life. Um, you know, uh, Sylvester Stallone's son had died pretty, uh, pretty recently before this movie came out. That's right. Um, before, you know, before he, before he took this movie. So there's a lot of that in there. Um, you get the line when they, when he takes Adonis up to the top of the steps, um, towards the, at the end of the movie, um, when they, you know, they walk up to the, the steps in Philly and he says, you know, if you look hard enough, you can see your whole life from up here. But like, which is just mm. the most obvious metaphor because the, you know, Rocky at the top of that steps is that's Sylvester Stallone's life. That's like, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that took him to exactly where he is today. Um, it's, it's a hard nosed metaphor. And if this movie was a little cornier, a little worse done, that might be like, Oh, come on, man. Come on, Kulu. Really? But it, it works really well. I also, I just need to give a shout to, uh, when Rocky does not understand the cloud and he's like, what cloud? <laughs> I, I would watch an entire movie about Donnie teaching Rocky about technology. Like Rocky, Donnie and Rocky setting up iTunes. <laughs> yes, uh, R- Rocky um, logging into his Dropbox. <laughs> Looking for. <laughs> hey, yo, Adrian, <laughs> do you have the two factor identification? Or, you know, something like that. Um, Rocky would be that classic commercial. Do you guys know how to post videos to Facebook? I don't know if you remember that one. It was it was it was an early cell phone. It was an early cell phone commercial, but it was early Facebook and, and so I think it was like an AT and T commercial. But Rocky Rocky would be that guy. Perfect. Yes. Now I, I, I that's coming back to me now. That's exactly <laughs> that. Yes. Yeah, so that, that is exactly who he is. He he's he's a he is okay boomer personified <laughs> right there. You know. Um, but uh, yeah, and then uh, I on the um, I guess uh, on a more ironic level, I think. Uh, it's probably tri- it's probably uh, Tessa Thompson's inability to say John. So are you back there, John? This, John that. What's a John? It's a noun. Okay. It's like a C. These is Johns. This is a John. Wow. This restaurant was sitting in. This is a John. You were John. You got a John? You do. No. <laughs> um, and 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 really do a Philly accent, you know, at all? You know, though I, th- I think she acts well, but she doesn't say the words well <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> it's interesting yeah. tessa thompson tries a lot of accents and things she's when she's uh in the the marvel in whatever the thor like in ragnarok she's doing that that really like so so kind of british accent thing that it, i'm not entirely sure it's working but um, I do not have enough experience with the with the Philly accent, and I'm not one of the people watching Mayor of Easttown right now, so I'm pretty unfamiliar with the actual dialect. So that one actually went way over my head. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's very it's it's like she has a very neutral accent, and then she says John, and it's like John. <laughs> and I'm like I don't like I've been to Philly a few times. Like I know I have some good friends, you know, with the Johns and the Bowls and the you know whatever. Um, nah. <laughs> that not ain't quite. it. Not quite. Not quite, Tessa. But but so that might be. But I do. I, I, I want to be clear. But I want to be clear. Tessa does act well in my mind. And like it's weird. Like I think she acts well because I think as far as like an emotional level, you know, like she, you know, and, you know her her conviction, you know, when she, you know, but it's just when she tries to do like hard Philly accent, and that's what that was a that was a mistake. They didn't have to do. You know. They should have not done that. <laughs> yeah, she is she is very effective in the movie though. So if we're going into the most authentic and least authentic sports centric parts of the movie, or just kind of just the authenticity of the movie in general, we could throw Tessa Thompson in one of the, that that 
her Philly accent the least authentic part. I, and we talked about this beforehand, I've said this on this podcast before, I do not have a lot of, a ton of boxing knowledge, I know the basics. My most authentic sports-centric part was just kind of broadly, the boxing action is top tier for a boxing movie. My favorite boxing scenes I've ever seen. Yeah, and again, like we were talking about earlier, it is not, it's not realistic, but it feels real. You know? Like, and that's, and that's enough for a film. Because like, mm-hmm. it has to be a charisma and action to it, you know? Like, um, like great fights I've seen don't don't have like the same kind of like you know consistent back and forth most of the time, you know. Like um, that uh, that Rocky that you know that the rock that uh, that final fight you know between you know Rocky and uh, what's his name uh, the Irish dude, but um, Conlon, Conlon, yes, pretty Ricky Conlon. There we go. But like. But but you know but again it's okay because because they're they're make it's 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 an artistic choice to exemplify the you know uh, some interesting parts of what you know a boxing without like you know jumping the shark into parody. Yeah, it's just very very well done boxing scenes. Very it 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 gets away from what the Rocky series had gone. I mean, the Rocky series has always been about that. You watch that that first fight between Apollo and Rocky. Now that was done, you know, forty years ago. But it's it's borderline comical compared to this. And they 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 ground it. They bring a you know a real element of um, you know of authenticity to it. And I think it works. My I have two least realistic ones, and it doesn't really have to do with the sports or least authentic parts about this movie. Um, I refuse to believe that Ricky Conlon couldn't beat a gun charge that was going to put him seven years in prison. That's just not how. <laughs> that's just not how rich, especially rich white athletes, are treated. There's no, Conor McGregor hasn't seen. Like, he's seen like maybe one day in jail, and he's done a lot of shit. Like I, I refuse to believe that Ricky Conlon couldn't beat this charge. Yeah, because I mean, you, we know that you know in the in the UK, uh, wealth is never privileged. <laughs> in the <term> of this <laughs> that's that's a, that's a constant trope in uh in you know in british literature right um i don't know maybe because he's irish or something right or <laughs> maybe just like you know his, he's uh his wrong kind of white negative privilege <laughs> might be the reason why he's got to go you know, why he's locked up you know but i feel um, like the money still would have <laughs> still would have bought him that freedom because like seven years seven years that's the one thing like come on man there's no way he's going to going to jail for seven years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I forgot it was seven years. Shoot, that is a long time. But mm-hmm. um, we also the the other thing I've got though with with Pretty Ricky Conlon is let's talk about the nickname Pretty Ricky. So he's not like he is objectively not like it's not pretty. like he's a, he's not pretty. <laughs> so was Pretty Ricky Conlon's nickname? So this movie came out in 2015 hypothetically he's probably been you know he's probably been big in boxing a big name you'd say for at least you know maybe a decade at least coming up to where he needs a nick a nickname you know uh pretty ricky released grind with me in 2004 did he get pretty ricky conlon because pretty ricky was big with grind with me at that time man you you are ex you are you are asking the real questions here man like it's hard hitting, to, hard hitting journalism, right? Yeah, here. So yeah, you're you're cutting to the you're cutting to the bone. Um, yeah, you know, it's not you know. I think that uh, I boxing is one of those things though where it's not like it, it doesn't have to be have to do anything. You know, like the nickname has not, doesn't have to do anything with like your actual appearance. Sometimes it could just be like you know a thing that sticks, <laughs> or a thing that's easy to say. You know, <laughs> that's. Fair. I mean, sometimes 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 you have a guy like you know. Uh, Canelo Alvarez, right? 
you know, uh, they call him Canelo because he's like the whitest Mexican you've ever seen, and and, and his hair looks like cinnamon because he's like a, he's a ginger, you know. And then That's... you know, um, sometimes you just you know, uh, sometimes it's, it's just you know, it's it's having something alliterative or rhyme or, rhyme, or that rhymes allows you to sell sell tickets. And so it, it just got to right. be something that that it That's sounds good. good when Michael Buffer says it, or maybe he was very pretty in his youth. Maybe, 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 maybe that maybe boxing, boxing. kind of roughed up his face. Yeah, exactly. You know, you already mentioned Tessa Thompson's accent. Did you have anything for least authentic? I, I think I think that's it as far as just like the place of it. You know, being Philadelphia. Um, you know, they, again, like I said, the action is not always realistic. That I know, but. Um, but uh, it's not a problem, though. It just is what it is. Yeah, yeah. So I want to get into to what worked about this one. What else worked about this one that we haven't touched on yet? What makes this a Hall of Fame movie? And this being one of your favorite movies, I'm just going to let you go here. What else? Why? What haven't we touched on that makes this a Hall of Fame movie? Coogler really knows how to bring the best out of Michael B. Jordan. Oh, clearly. He's a, <laughs> They've been I, running I, that playbook for a while now. Michael, Michael B. Jordan is, to, to me... I probably you know get like clowned by you know at least to say on Twitter right, but like he's I think he's a good actor, but I think he's very limited. He's got a very narrow range, you know. Like he's but he's good at he's, but he's good at committing some things, and that is, um, that's honestly sadness, you know. He's very good at conveying sadness, and we've I think you see that in a few places. You see that in you know The Wire. Um, which is, you know, kind of his first big role. You know, he's, he played a, you know, a, a teen drug dealer who gets betrayed by his friends, and he's very sad when it happens, you know. Um, you see it in, uh, he was excellent in Chronicle. Ever seen Chronicle? Yes, yeah, that movie is, that movie is kind of slept on, honestly. Always, oh, oh, it is, man. It, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's in that genre of, like, you know, superhero, you know, superhumans but real, you know. Like, 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 he's, he's that would really go down, and it's just done fantastically. But, like, but you know, but you see, but you see, like, you see his emotion come through when you know, when he, when he's like confronting, you know, this, this, uh, this other superhuman, superhuman that he thought was his friend, you know, and was his friend, you know, and just trying to, like, you know, reach out to him. And, and uh, yeah, you know, when they're and, up and in the sky, well. you up in the sky and everything, like, you know, he does that very well, you know. Um, he, uh, and you know, we see in Fruitvale Station, you know, like. Um, and that movie is trained entirely on, on MBJ, you know, like, it, you know, like, like, which, which I think, again, shows that, he, you know, he, he's not completely untalented, you know, <laughs> like, um, you can argue and, that's his best performance is for, I mean, for, I mean, yeah, it, it is no, like, it's absolutely his best, best performance, you know, so you see, so when you, so when you see him, when you see him work, working through like sadness or grief, I think he does a really, really good job, um, you know, that, that kind of intensity, I think he does, you know, very well with. Um, even, you know, I remember, like, he did this movie that is not well regarded. Um, it was a, uh, it's an, it's an HBO film called, uh, it's based off the book. What's it called? Um, the book about burning books. Fahrenheit oh, uh, Fahrenheit 451. I had to right, read that yeah. before my senior year of high yes. school. Right, right, exactly. So, you know, the, the Ray Bradbury classic about, you know, a, a uh, future a, a, a not too distant future society where books are completely banished you know and everyone's and you have to burn anyone you anyone you find and so um yeah we just call that kentucky 
<laughs> yes, it's a it's an AP course teaching critical race theory. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, you know that it, you know they, you have to get to burn that. But uh, but yeah. So but but there's a scene where you could, you could, he's you know uh, confronting uh, not a fastbender, right? But uh. I'll be honest. I didn't. I did not see that. But is Fastbender in that? Because I feel like no, I owe it to my. It's not, it's no, it's, not, it's Michael Fastbender. Michael, Michael Shannon. Shannon. There we go. Oh. So I'm not that, that's, the same, that's the same <laughs> thing. With I feel like a, a sense of duty that I need to see everything that Michael Shannon and Michael Fastbender are both in. Yeah. So Michael Shannon does his Michael Shannon thing. Just so you know, <laughs> like you know, like uh, uh, and and you know, so so you know, he's uh you know, very much evil and, uh, and very much demented, right? Like <laughs> that's his, you know, that's his whole thing. And and then, but, uh, but MBJ, you know, but in the trailer, and if you just watch a trailer, you'll see like MBJ do this and he, and he, and he's trying to convince his, uh, you know, uh, Fassbender that he is totally down with the cause of burning books. And he says, I want to burn. And it like, and, and it honestly, like it may, it sells the movie. Like, and it's, it's just Jordan, you know, saying, uh, I you know, that, you know, that he wants to burn books. But like you know, but with the you know, but with his eyes, with you know, with him like clearly holding back like his fear and his sadness about you know about like what he's uh, trying to commit to, you know, um, as a book you know as a book burner in the society, like it you know it, it plays through, and so um, so I just give you that that little that retrospective of the last you know fifteen years of Michael B. Jordan's career, right, to say that like you know uh, Jordan, uh, you know, are, are the cooler knows how to use this man, you know, and it's, and it's in, and it's in playing, you know, really sad boys, you know, who are now, you know, like trying to, trying to navigate adulthood in, in flawed, you know, and, and, and often failing at it, you know, but like, you know, but, but trying their best. I mean, that's Killmonger, shoot, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Kill, know, Killmonger is, Killmonger is kind of very similar to Adonis Creed. And that he has a a ton of, of pent up anger. He goes about things in a in a fairly different way. Yes, yeah, um, exactly. Makes, yes. makes a couple different choices, but <laughs> but pent up anger over the sadness of losing your dad. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. it. You know, that's it. And and so um, so yeah. So like he's um. So you know. So so Cougar. So I think that's an underrated thing about this movie is that like it. Sh- I think is that. Is that Coogler is like just ringing the best out of MBJ, you know, in a way, you know, in a way there's limitations that are more pronounced elsewhere, you know. Like, I mean, it's absolutely true that because he's very handsome, <laughs> like, you know, it's almost um, irritating like, like, how cool and good looking he is, yeah. And, and and he also plays like cool well, too, you know, he's like, he's you know, super, you know, like when, when he's when he's just gotta be chill guy, he's great, you know. Um, but that's it, just but that's just who he is, you know, when you when you see him interview and stuff, too. Like, so it's not. He's not really acting. He's just kind of like you know being himself, you know. Um, but when he does, you know, so so, but um, but yeah, Coogler really does a great job of just kind of 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 wringing that out of him, and and, and um, and I hope that uh, you know, I hope I just hope people people put a little bit of respect on the things that that, George, that MBJ does do well as an actor as a performer. Mm-hmm. And Kugler also does a good job of creating relationships in this movie and creating viable relationships that you you feel the emotion of and kind of using MBJ in that way. Um, and, and that goes, you know, you talked about his relationship with Bianca, with Tessa Thompson and how he, he puts effort. It's not like there are a lot of movies where relationships with a significant other, relationships with a mentor or something are kind of like taken as a given. Like this, you know, this coach and this player are supposed to, you know, they're, 
you know, they're supposed to have this respect between each other, and we're just supposed to believe that. But, but Kugler really puts in the the work with, with Donnie and Rocky, and Donnie and Bianca, and Donnie and and Mrs. Creed. Even like there's there's the the respect and the love there in that relationship. He puts a lot of effort into um, all the emotional connections that Donnie has in this movie. I, I think that that aspect of the movie is is really really well done and makes the movie click in a really good way that you you feel that connection with all these characters. But um, yeah, I mean, and along with that, I mean, we kind of talked about this uh, as far as like plausible reboots go. It's a really good plot like a really good way of figuring out um, how to give, you know, how to bring these characters back and, and a lot better than like in Rocky Balboa where they were like, okay, what's the best thing we can do with Rocky? Let's just have him fight a young guy in his prime. Like that'll work. Like it's, it's, it's a lot better. Um, and then it just got a great, like, this is like very broad. This movie has a great vibe. It's got a lot of awesome Philadelphia shots. The music is great. It it's paced well. It's just such a fresh update on a series that had gone pretty stale. Yeah, man. I I mean, he's a real miracle. Like Kukur is a miracle worker. Like that's you know like that that is the thing that comes across when you watch this movie. You know, opposed as opposed to like in Fruitvale Station's first film, which is a great film, but like but like oh yeah, this this man makes miracles because this this movie had no business being good. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's near perfect. Um, but going yeah. into what didn't work, I don't have anything that is glaring about this movie that's like this needs to be cut. This needs, in terms of what didn't, this is something that absolutely worked. But I just put in this segment because like you already talked about this. Watching Rocky Balboa, the guy who we've had forty years with, uh, get told he has cancer is a fucking blow. It's like a legitimate emotional. It's emotionally distressful. Went through your test results, and your biopsy came back showing signs of large cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. What's that do? Well, it's a form of cancer. I know that sounds scary, but the good news is we caught it early. However, we will have to remove the tumor in your lymph nodes and start chemotherapy immediately. Ah, my wife tried that. Mr. Balboa, as far as options for treatment, this is the best plan of action. No, I understand, but my wife tried that, and uh, I don't think I want to do it. It didn't turn out so good, but it's okay. With treatment, you'll still have a very good chance of recovery. Without it... I mean, of course, you know, like he, he's rocky. Rocky always wins his fights, and, and he's ready to lose. Um, but you know what, man? When we talk about things that don't work, I yeah, think as much as I as much as I enjoy, like watching them, of course, train and compete and 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 motivate each other to keep battling. Like, there is a well, you know, and it makes for good movie making. There's also a a ho- I think there's a, a little bit of a hollowness to it, as far as depicting real life. Like. As far as like, and I'm talking about again, the the, the di- Rocky's diagnosis and him ex- kind of accepting it, you know, he that you know accepting that he had cancer does not mean that he didn't that he betrayed Donnie, you know, and and, and being okay with dying does not mean that he's betrayed Donnie, you know, Donnie took it as betrayal, and what the movie doesn't quite, kind of like lets him off the hook, you know, um, by not critiquing that more. 
as if like you know as if that's just his his own it, purely a result of his own immaturity and the void that he has from not having family you know without like giving more dignity you know but while still accepting the framing of 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 uh rocky being fearful or cowardly of like you know of 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 trying to you know heal himself like and that's a, i don't know i mean i i think i think that we we you know that uh to know you know to know anyone who suffered through you know a, a uh you know a a a very scary illness you know and who's been through a lot of grief and pain like you know these you know the fights don't always go well and it's okay to 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 not want to you know, to not want to have to you know not be able to eat anything that's not blended you know for the next 6 months you know you know and you know and keep and keep your hair you know and still be able to like you know go for walks and stuff you know like that's not wrong like and you know but it, but it, but it presents it as as like you know as rocky cowering you know rather than you know which which is not a, I think a particularly helpful framework um and, I, and again a a and, and and ultimately i mean it's it, it's i went dishonest isn't the right word but 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 uh but 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 hollow you know one that didn't take the, the, the one part they didn't they didn't think through closely you know and it ends up being more of a cliche than actual you know serious engagement that's a really good point because yeah because i mean what he's doing is not is not shameful and it's not it you couldn't it, it's very it's very understandable um I don't know. I kind of wonder if there's a there's a way you keep that plot point of, you know, he doesn't want to do it and Donnie wants him to do it, but a way that is a little more fair to the situation from Rocky's point of view. Um, yeah, there there probably was a way from that. But other than that, I didn't really have anything else that didn't work. Other than Tessa Thompson's character in Westworld is so unlikable that I I've, I still struggle to like take that out of. <laughs> Anything else that I, I watch her, I, I hate her in Westworld so, so much that it, it's it's still tough to see her sometimes just because of that. Yeah, you know, I, I never got that far into Westworld because I'm like, I saw J.J. Abrams behind, I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm no, like, probably I, the right I would not, call. I would not be had. <laughs> I, I'm just in um, too deep. <laughs> but, uh, you know, her first, the first role I saw her in was Veronica Mars. You ever watch that show? I I did not watch Veronica Mars. No, I was I was not. I think my wife I think my wife watched Veronica Mars, but I did not. So that was that was to my memory her first like really big role. You know, she was pretty young. She was like nineteen twenty. You know, whatever. Um, and uh, as like a foil to actually Veronica's, you know, to Kristen Bell's Veronica, you know, the detective and all that. Um, but uh, but one that she plays very well is like kind of a you know kind of a mean girl. Uh, kind of a diva, but also insecure for reasons that, you know, I don't want to spoil for people who may want to watch the show one day. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, um, so I've, I've been riding with Tessa since then. Yeah, I, I think the first thing I really saw her in and like looking at her IMDb, I, I really think it was this. So like right off the bat, I'm like, oh, I'm in on her. This is great. And then I watch Westworld and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not in on her at all. This is terrible. <laughs> so I, maybe if I'd had a little more built up you know, built up history with her. It might be a little easier. Um, the Kevin Costner, Freddie Prince Jr. Awards for best and worst on-screen athlete. I mean, I don't think there's a, they, they casted a bunch of boxers and then made Michael B. Jordan get big, look great and surrounded him with boxers. Like there was some trivia, you know, he adhered to a strict diet, learned how to box because he didn't have a stunt double. Like I thought he looked great. I don't think there's anyone in this movie who doesn't look like a boxer. Yeah. I, I, there, there's no, uh, 
There's no answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's no, there's not a uh, Freddie Prince Jr. in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. I just add, is, is Sylvester Stallone, is Rocky a supporting character in this one? Uh, I mean, well, he was nominated for best supporting actor, right? So he was, he was. I, uh, I mean, with that, that one being so obvious, you know, like I feel like, um, yeah, we could that, omit him because there's a couple other. There's uh, Richie Coster is Pete, who is uh, who's the dad of of Leo the boxer. But I also know him. He is the mobster from the Dark Knight. He is the one who suggests that they want to hear the Joker out. So he makes one of the worst calls in the history of movies. Ah, uh, yes. No, he's 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 made, he's made a couple of bad calls. He ended his son's career. He did. He did. <laughs> and uh, you know, Greg having been smoked by nobody at the time, and then he also, uh, you know. And then he also kind of ruined Donnie's life for a second by, by like, you know, by outing him. And then, you know, and then also he got, you know, all his gang, you know, or, you know, he got the gang murdered or yeah, by Joker and all that. And so that's not good. But and um, if I'm not mistaken, Joker gets him fed to his own dogs. I think that's what is implied. Really? Oh, that's what happens? Oh, snap. I, I, th- um, I think so, because he lights his money on fire. That's his That's his money that the Joker slides down and then lights on fire. And then I think... Uh, I think he that's when the Joker gives the line like Fijity or Pooches or something like that. So it's it's a tough go for him. But in this one we've also obviously Tessa Thompson, uh the guy the boxer who plays pretty Ricky Conlin, who's like not exactly a good actor, but I feel like I enjoyed every scene that he was in. And then Yeah, no, he does it well. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Felicia Rashad as Marianne Creed. It's a strong performance, and uh, noted she had O.J. Simpson and Bill Cosby in her wedding party, which is a very very fun fact. Bill Cosby at least makes sense, right? You know, Bill Cosby know. makes sense because she was in the Cosby Show. Uh, I, guess both, have, I guess I guess both did, right? Because I mean, what this is the eighties, right? She got married to Amon Rashad. Yeah, he was boys with the yeah. Him and, and, and so yeah, it's a different time, man. You know, so he's yeah, he's of course he's boys with OJ. You know, uh, um. So yeah, well, all right. Well, there you go. It's the eighties. <laughs> um, <laughs> different, different time, just like Rocky Four. Um, my, you know, I love Felicia Rashad in everything she's ever done ever, but like, um. But my my uh, my favorite supporting character is probably Wood Harris. That's the trainer. Shout that, out Julius. Uh, yes, yeah, a tra- a tra- uh, trainer for Andre Ward's fighter uh, in the beginning. You know, the one who doesn't want to take a take a chance on him. Um, you know where he's like, you know, oh yeah, those are, those are the street brawls, man. Like so, Wood. So Wood, you may know Wood from The Wire. Um, he was uh, he was Avon Barksdale. Um, you know, the, uh, beloved, uh, drug kingpin of West Baltimore. Um, yeah, so that's what, so what, so what was, uh, what had an awesome, awesome role in that, you know, in that movie. It's, it's, honestly, it's, it's weird that he's not a, uh, that he wasn't an A-lister except that, like, black people don't get chances. So it's not that weird, it's just like, you know, the... It's the nature of this industry, but like I, I love that Cougar's like, yeah, let's get this guy in, <laughs> you know, yeah. because what he did in the wire was so awesome, you know, like again, he's a beloved, beloved actor, for, you know, a beloved character rather, um, you know, Avon, and so to have him, you know, show up early in the film, you know, it's just kind of like it kind of like earned his almost like er- earning the street credit of this film, you know, to have him, you know, I <laughs> have him there, and and it's and it's and it's also a wire, it's also a wire reunion too, because because uh, because uh, MBJ is a is a uh, you know, like a low-level drug dealer in the Barksdale Empire. You know, so like, uh, so it's so it's, so it's like this cool like meeting of like you know of like this show, this great show that everyone loves. You know, 
kind of brought back together. And if you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning, you'll know that Wood Harris is Big Julius from Remember the Titans, episode one of Big Screen Sports. Um, yeah, That's he's right. great. He's great, though. He's uh, he's great, and he plays. Um, so he is uh, he is the son of of Apollo's trainer as well. That's who he that's who he plays in this one because he is Little Duke, and Tony was I guess Big Duke was probably just Duke Tony Burton, uh, Apollo's trainer, and then Rocky's trainer. He is the he's got the one of the greatest gifts on Twitter the throw in the towel gif, uh, which is which is always one of my favorites. Right. Um, the big chill, we kind of went over this, uh, earlier for me. I mean, it's the, when the, the pep talk before round, before the 12th round. Yeah. Um, I see no flaw in that. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything you would do to improve this one? Um, I mean, just get, get tested. Different vocal coach, man. A different, a different, uh, different, uh, accent coach. Like whoever she's got is just not, not working it, you know? Not doing it. Yeah, I don't have anything to improve it. I would have liked a, a conversation between him and, and Marianne, maybe in between moving. Like, he moves to L.A., or he moves to Philly, and then he doesn't talk to her again. You get the thing where she sends him the shorts, which is great, but I would have just loved a, maybe one more. Maybe there was a deleted scene with that, but I, I have not watched those. But I, I would have liked that, but otherwise, I mean, it's pretty flawless. And then last category, before more restore, prequel, sequel, or remake, we already know, you know, Creed Three is on the way. MBJ is directing it. What are your hopes for that? Man. They're not especially high. I mean, I'm gonna watch it the first day it comes out, but like, yeah, obviously. You know, you know why? Because because we haven't we haven't even discussed this, but you know, Creed is a sequel, Creed two. And There's Creed a reason two, we it, haven't discussed it. Creed two is fine. It's whatever. It's just a movie. It's kind of like what I expected Creed to be when I heard that Creed was coming out. I was like, you know, oh, another Rocky movie, you know. And Creed two feels like another Rocky movie, but it just you know, and it's not like you know, and there are like cool things that happen in it, you know, but like. Um, you know, but it's Coogler producing and then Stephen Cable, who's like a, you know, who's been around as like, as like a, I think a music video director, you know, um, doing the, uh, you know, uh, you know, directing the, directing the, the, the film. Um, but yeah, but it just like, it, it, the, uh, it doesn't, it just doesn't have the, the soul of the first one. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have the tightness of the first one. And, um, and there are just parts where it just feels kind of like, you know, Lazy and contrived, almost, you know, in a way that, that Creed does not. Um, that is, uh, and so, like, I don't know, I mean, you know, um, I think making making Creed as good as it was, making Creed good, period, was, it, it, it was a, a daunting challenge, and it shows Ryan Coogler's talent, and then he made, made Creed, not, Creed not just good, but great. Um, so, Michael B. Jordan basically has to be really great. To find to extract more out of this, you know, out, out of out of the ninth Rocky movie. <laughs> the thing that the Rocky movies struggle with, and the, I mean the thing that all sports movie franchises struggle with, really, especially when you start with an underdog story, is how do you keep that person hungry? How do you keep that character hungry or that team hungry? And if you keep just running them out there saying they're an underdog for some reason. It's like how, you know, it's like how Michael Jordan had to pretend that people had slighted him who had absolutely not slighted him, like at some point on a movie that just doesn't work. So I'm just very curious as to how how they bring some new element of challenge or, you know, 
bring, you know, because the last we saw Donnie, he is on the top of the world in his profession and his relationship and all this stuff. So it's like, how do you bring in an element of challenge or something to overcome that doesn't feel just fucking ridiculous and contrived? Because that's where that was the big problem with the a lot of the Rocky movies is it just started to feel ridiculous, repetitive, and you just can't buy this guy as an underdog. And by the time in Rocky five, when he's like fighting in the street, you're like, this isn't entertaining to me. So that I, you know, I have, like you said, I'm going to see it, you know, we'll see, but I'm going to see it. They'll get my money. Yeah. And that's, that's the goodwill that you built up, Ryan. Is that like this movie that I'm not, very high on. <laughs> I will go see within minutes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. That's what Ryan Coogler, we were talking about that juice earlier. Like, he's got the thing where if he touches something, it's like, fuck, I got to see it. I'm like obligated to. Yeah. Which is a pretty special place to be. But Bradford, I am very appreciative that you took the time to talk creative with me. I'm glad we finally got this going. Uh, tell the folks where they can follow you, where they can check out your, your content. Yeah, man. Um, I'm a, you know, I'm, I am a poster for life. <laughs> um, and so I love the post on twitter.com. Uh, I'm at BWD, BWD, BWD. So BWD three times. You start searching BWD, you'll find me pretty quickly. Um, that's BWD are, are happen to be my initials, Bradford William Davis. So, um, yeah, so I'm there, man. I'm on, you know, I'm, uh, that's, you know, writing, okay to bad tweets, <laughs> um, you know, four Aren't to 11 all? times a day. And, um, you know, um, I'm, I have not had a byline yet, but I'm at, I'm at insider still, you know, writing, you know, hopefully meaningful, impactful, uh, investigative features about sports and non-sports. And, um, you know, um, I don't know. I need, I need another writing outlet. So if, I, if that happens, I'll let you know. So you can, <laughs> uh, throw that in. In, uh, in post or something, I don't know how, 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 how the podcast editing works, but uh, oh yeah, and of course I'm at my baseball perspectives as a podcaster there. So um, so yeah, if you you so I contribute to baseball you know baseball perspectives primarily the five and dive podcast. So um, so look up you know go on the base, baseball perspectives podcast network wherever pods are found and yeah and if you uh, like enjoy you know nerdy sometimes funny conversations on uh, on baseball like you know me and Craig and Emma where you're where your people. So, and all of Bradford's stuff is going to be in the show notes, the Twitter, the baseball prospectus, hit whatever his first byline is at Insider. And then if he finds another writing outlet, that's going to be in there too between now and, and when this episode comes out. And if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate and leave a review if you're on Apple Podcasts. New episodes come out every Monday. And if you're a baseball fan, check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm. That is presented by Baseball America and comes at you every other Tuesday, assuming it hasn't been canceled by the time we edit out this episode. Uh, for Big Screen Sports, we'll catch you next Monday. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.